Hello and welcome to the Geek Embassy Watches Dunkirk. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, and today I'm here with Mark and Ryan. Um, I won't use my same line, so just say hi. Hi. <laughs> and today we have um, a different type of summer movie to talk about. Different. <laughs> different. Different from our superheroes we've watched so far, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And different in a lot of other ways, I guess you could say. Um, but before we sort of launch into talking about Dunkirk, I have to share uh, my experience of going to see Dunkirk, at least one part of my experience going to see Dunkirk. Um, I went just last night. Mark and Ryan both saw it, um, I think, a couple weeks ago. So I'm, I'm kind of the late one to the party here. Um, and the theater was mostly empty. And we were a little late because we had to wait in the concessions line before we went in. And um, we walk in, and there's a trailer already playing. And there's some kids up on the screen. And I sit down, and all of a sudden, there's a clown on the screen. Mm -hmm. Terrifying clown on the screen. And I realize that I'm actually watching the trailer for it. And <laughs> we all float down here, Regina. We all float. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hadn't watched the trailer because, like I've said numerous occasions, I don't really watch horror films um, at all. Uh, and I hadn't watched the trailer. I'd seen the stills, and that was enough for me to say no. So I watched the trailer and the music and the scary. And you know what, guys? Mm. Just not happening. <laughs> I know you guys really want to talk about that one for our September movie, but... I just, I just can't. I love you both, but I like sleeping <laughs> a, a lot, and I won't sleep if I watch that movie. So you may not sleep anyway, because oftentimes uh, dreams like that pop into your head if you don't watch them. I, from the trailer, I dreamt about it last night. Good. Were they good? No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> See, you've already dreamed about it, so it's okay. Yeah, no. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, though, that the movie is as scary as the trailer is and that it lives up to that because it does look like an amazing movie. It's just. Well, we'll see. Originally, when they did it before it was done as a miniseries and it's a big book. So I'm kind of dubious as to how well they can turn that experience into a, into a two hour movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. They'll have to be lots of editing. And I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't haven't seen the, this, the original series and Chris was talking about the fact that it wasn't about kids and that this one is about the kids. And I don't know. It was, it was a two part, the two part series, the first half was about the kids portion of it. And then the second part was them as adults. Oh, okay. So it was just a, I think it was a two, two, two hour mark. It was only a two parter. If yeah. I remember correctly. So it's hard. Yeah. To yeah. The stand was four parts and this one was a two, I think. Okay. Well, I, I will host it. If you guys want to do, if you guys want to go watch it, I will, I will lead the discussion. We'll see. We'll okay. Afterwards. Okay. <laughs> All right. So lot, let's launch into our discussion of Dunkirk. Um, who can give like a summary of what this movie was about, like the historical significance of it? Basically, it was about the uh, 
evacuation of um, the British army and a good chunk of the French army um, off of the beaches um, of France back over to Britain after uh, German forces pretty much kicked them off of uh, Europe. Right. They actually encircled them at um, Dunkirk and were trying to push in to capture them, but um, the delaying forces that they had on the outskirts of the beach just held the Germans back long enough for um, a week to let the uh, Allied forces evacuate back over to Britain, and it was done not just with military ships, but basically, you know, every time kind of boat or ship that they could um, press they could get out there. Britain was sent yeah. across um, um, the channel to rescue them, and it was literally thousands of boats. So. Yep. They managed to get pretty much all of them away in a week. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was impressive numbers from what they were originally at least thinking they were going to be able to evacuate and what they ended up evacuating. Right. Yep. And it is this is a fictional, you know, story based on historical events. Right. So these are not like real people necessarily. This wasn't a documentary, but it was a, a fictional world based on, built on real life events. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, I'm trying to remember how many, what the numbers were. Um, were there four storylines? Three. Three. So yeah, it, was, it was three different. Yeah, it was kind of a weird, uh, it was three different, not necessarily storylines of, of different people, just kind of three different time markers during right. During this evacuation, yeah, three different. Yeah, that'd be a better way to put it. Three different What'd perspectives. You say? Three different perspectives. Perspectives. Of the same yeah. events going on. Right. Um, right. They're called the mole, the sea, and the air. Right. Yeah. And they tried to mark them in such a way at the beginning that you would know what the hell was going on, but I was having a hard time following what was going on. Yeah, I found the very beginning of the movie to be d quite disorienting. Like I, I was having trouble even after they put those put the markers in and, and for those who haven't seen it, there are actual words on the screen that say one, the mole, two, the sea, and three, the air, was it? Yeah. And um, even even after those, I was still having a hard time kind of piecing together what was happening. I don't remember exactly what moment it was where it finally all kind of clicked for me. But at one moment, I was finally like, okay, I think I kind of get where this is going now. Probably right towards the end when you finally realize, oh, he's doing his last-ditch effort to bring down that bomber <laughs> at the same time we're figuring out how these guys ended up in the boat or whatever. And yeah, it's just to me, it wasn't very very clear i kind of felt like he was trying to use the um telling the story out of out of sequence gag that made quentin tarantino who he is or you know famous as he is and i didn't really feel like it was working to me yeah i can i can see that i don't it didn't take me that long to get to the point where i felt like it had come together in my head as to what was happening or how the characters were going to potentially interact um but it was it was definitely off-putting in its in if, in its construction i thought so 
what about you, Ryan? What did you think of sort of the construction that the way the movie started, I guess? Uh, it was confusing. It, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you, you're not really sure what kind of movie you're going into. Like if you think you're going into a traditional war movie, that's not definitely not yeah. what you get with this. Um, right. But, you know, me personally, like I'll, I'll run into movies uh, thinking that I have one um, one way of thinking of the way it's going to go. And then like I failed to pay attention at the beginning to kind of unlock the, the code to the rest of the movie. And this was one of those movies. It's like I didn't really I saw the words at the beginning, but I didn't really give them much thought um, at the they time. Didn't really give you a good amount of context for them. That was the Right. Problem. And that was it. It was just kind of like if you weren't like paying attention to what was how those were being um, delivered to you during the the film, you you were you were kind of lost up until the point where you started to see these different threads interweave with one another, and you're like, oh oh oh, okay, right, right. Mm -hmm. Then you start to decode it, and you're like, I was kicking myself at that point, thinking, man, I should have paid attention more at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was hard to pay attention at the beginning, and I think. I think that was intentional. I think you, it was intended, and I, I don't know, you know, this could just be my, my interpretation of it, but I think it was kind of an aesthetic film where it was trying to give you the lived experience of some of those characters in this evacuation. And I think because of that, you have that disconnect. We're so used to stories and movies being so linear and going from mm -hmm. one event to the next to the next in a chronological order in a way that um, that makes linear sense. And you don't have that in this film. This film was meant to put you in and make you as confused as the men who were on the beach, as the captains who were, you know, charting the yachts out to, um, you know, to help with the rescue. So I thought it was I thought it was cool that that was the way it kind of went. Even right. And I mean, it is not unusual for Christopher Nolan to do this. Um, I mean, yeah. he did. Um, what's the movie I'm trying to think of? Um, uh, was it Memento? Memento. Thank you. That was the You're one um, where it was they showed yeah. the movie backwards, you know, type thing. Right. So, I mean, this isn't a new concept to do movies this way. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things, though, that the average audience has been, you know, kind of programmed to expect a movie to go one way or the other. And I'm no different, um, even though I, you know, study and work and teach in the industry. Um, it just, it, it threw me off and I didn't like read enough about the movie at the beginning um, to know that I should be looking for that uh, type of thing. So, right. but it didn't change the fact that I liked the movie mm -hmm. um, quite a bit um, just for, the cinematography of it, um, the very real and raw look at what these guys were going through. I mean, I really felt panicked like a lot oh, of times throughout God. this movie. So much. Like yeah. I was, I was like, why am I so on edge? Like through, through so much of it, I was just feeling I can myself tense. Exactly what was that? I can tell you exactly why. He because used... of the ticking clock. No, he used well, the soundtrack. Part of it, yeah. He used the soundtrack to amp up the movie way oh. more than what it needs yeah. to be amped up. I thought it was, I, to be honest, I did not like the movie one bit. I thought it was boring. I thought it was a disjointed mess. So, um, and I'm not saying that because, you know, it wasn't a popcorn movie or anything like that, but 
being a history fan, you know, I was looking forward to seeing, you know, some of the, you know, what they show of Dunkirk. Like, if you go and you look for images of the Dunkirk evacuation on Google, which I'm doing right now, you'll see that he did nothing to even cl get close to what those beaches and what that shoreline looked like. I felt like he had a $100 million budget, and I don't know what he squandered it on, if it was all actors' fees, but um, I don't know. He just he didn't do what I wanted to see, and I wasn't expecting a popcorn movie. I was expecting, you know, a historically accurate movie about the evacu evacuation, but I wanted to see these set pieces where, you know, there was... 100,000 or 400,000, 300,000 people on the beach, you know, thousands of ships in the um, water in the background, you know, and, you know, explosions and fires and stuff like that. And it was just like, I felt like he didn't apparently use his budget for any of that. And so I'm well, sitting there waiting for these cool epic shots and there was never a cool epic shot. And I was just like, what, what, what are we watching here? <laughs> I think what it was is he was trying to, which I think worked um, to a degree, was he was trying to put the audience in this uncomfortable position that the soldiers and rescuers and pilots yeah. uh, that were involved in it were in. And he wasn't, I don't think he was, his intent was to give you the overall grand scale of the whole thing. I think he was just trying to put you in the, the shoes of these different situations of three different scenarios that were playing out in the movie. Now, I would agree with you that most people were going to find this movie really boring, but it, um, and there was a couple of point, points where I was just like, where's this going? You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was starting to feel the board in a couple parts myself until I kind of got where the movie was and started enjoying it for what it was. Right. Uh, and then try Instead to unravel the puzzle. Though. Was. Like you had right. to, I didn't go in with any expectations because I didn't read anything about it. I didn't watch the trailers. I didn't look at the images. I knew only that it was based on an actual historical event and that it was Christopher Nolan. Those were the two pieces of information I went in with. So I knew it was going to be about something about World War II. I didn't go in thinking it was going to be historically accurate at all because I don't ever expect movies to be historically accurate because they're not documentaries, they're fictional. And so, you know, if it doesn't recreate it perfectly. It wasn't even that I wanted it to be perfect. I just wanted to see some of, you know, right. what you, you see. The grand sweeping vision. Yeah. And I didn't really ever feel like we got to see that. And going back to what you were talking about, um, you know, you felt like you're on edge the whole time. I figured out really quickly what was going on. Um, he basically did the same trick he did in uh, which was the which of the Batman's was it with uh, the Joker in it? The second one, Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, in that movie, he, he was using that what he was doing in this movie, which was anytime the Joker is on screen or going to be in a scene in that movie, if you listen to the soundtrack, all it was was a single cello. Mm -hmm. Just sawing the same note and ramping it up and high, you know, louder in the mix as as time is going on. And he did that all over the place in the soundtrack for Dunkirk. And in my opinion, nine times out of ten, I'm watching what's going on on the screen. I'm listening to what he's doing in the soundtrack. And I'm going, this doesn't really deserve this treatment. It isn't. You're not going anywhere with the action to really make it 
build like that. You know, I right. felt like he was artificially trying to push people to go, oh, what's happening? You know, and it wasn't well, and what he was doing. I would have totally agree with you. The, the soundtrack and the music behind it, I thought, was the weakest part of the movie itself. Um, it seemed like it was, you know, like you were saying, it was too much of the film. It seemed more of a distraction than it did anything else. I was like, man, it just because there was so little dialogue in this movie that um, the music was such a huge part. But, you know, I think some of that could have been filled with just the natural sounds of what was going on. Like you said, I mean, they didn't have to, I don't think they, they had to show like the epic explosions and like the encroaching Germans. I don't think that was the point of it or what he was trying to get across. But, you know, you could have heard more of the distant sounds of war, I guess, in especially the beach scenes. Um, but, you know, again, it goes back to, he, I think he was trying to, you know, put you in, you know, that's why he didn't go to multiple boats. He just went to the one boat, you know, mm -hmm. with um, the, the guy and the, the two, the two teenage kids, kids. Yeah. Um, you know, and he didn't go to like the boat that you could see off in the distance a little bit. Um, and then he, he followed the one character into the larger battleship that, you know, ended up getting sunk and so on and so forth. Um, well, I think that's why the, I think the cinematography was effective for that kind of storytelling, because I felt like we were trying to follow from small points of view. Like it was only going from what someone could see um, in those situations in each, you know, each of the three sort of um, markers that were given. Well, uh, there's several spots where you can, where there was, they were looking at the beach and yeah, there was a lot of guys out there, but there weren't hundreds of thousands of guys out there ever in any of their shots. And I know, yeah, you're not going to go and get a hundred thousand you know, extras to do that. But I mean, if he had spent just a little bit of his budget on a little bit of CGI and filled out that beach a bit and put in a little smoke or fire here, would have gone a long way to making something like me a little more happy and interested in this film. Right. But, I can agree with that. But I mean, he didn't. So, you know, looking at the movie for what it was, um, which you know, is I like character piece, right? I mean, he's just, yeah, well, kind of. And that was, Partially. that would be the other weak spot of the film that I thought is, yes, you were intimately embedded with these different characters, and but throughout the film, I didn't really care about any of them. Um, and, and there was no connection to like, oh man, I really hope this guy makes it out. You know, yeah. it was, you know, I think the pilots were probably the closest yeah, exactly. connection that you got um, throughout the, the movie. And the dad piloting the boat. The dad, right. yeah. Those were, and I like Kenneth Branagh's character, but you only get to see him, you know, maybe on screen for all of five minutes during the whole movie so right so it's yeah. really those four characters that you really you know have any kind of feeling towards and two of the characters in in the show you absolutely hate like we fought we spend most of our time following this one guy around who's trying to sneak out ahead of everybody else because he's a chicken shit i get it you're in a war and it's horrible but it's like i can't i can't rightfully go well i sure hope he makes it out i'm more like going god i can't wait until those machine gun bullets out through that boat and hit him. I just can't wait. <laughs> and it never happens. So there's no payoff. It's just like, oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> and the guy who kills the one of the boys on the boat, it's like everybody's just cool with it. I'm like, really? That guy would have been going out on his ear over the side. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I didn't feel like they were cool with that at all. Um, well, they were way cooler about it than they should have been. <laughs> well, you know, 
I don't know. <laughs> well, that, and, and it just, that wasn't it how I thought back, about that, but yeah. Right. And it just goes back to, you know, the human emotional state during war in the first place. Like, yeah. you know, were these guys just at that point in time, so frustrated and so raw and so mentally checked out and emotionally checked out that that was the reality of it. And, you know, one of the things that I took away from the entire film of how real and raw it felt throughout the whole thing, and you just, you didn't connect with these characters, but is that how these guys really felt in that moment? They were just at that point in time, they were so desperate to not be trapped on the Sandy hell hole that, you know, all bets were off and they're just like, you know, Think about think about things you experience in in your real life. Like you just get to a point sometimes where you're just like, oh, I just don't care anymore. You know, type type situation. And you know, not being in the military and um, in that situation, I couldn't say for sure. But um, it just well, it seems like that. You know, the thousand yard stare type scenario where it's like, well, I get that. I get that for everybody else. But at that point, Dad and his son are not haven't been stuck on that beach for you know, however long they've been stuck on that beach, you know, they don't have a reason to be all checked out and everything and they shouldn't be okay well, with I disagree with that. I think they did have a reason because he said his son, his oldest son was killed week three of the war. So mm -hmm. he was already damaged by it and his, his life had already been damaged by it. And I think that that's why he took so much empathy toward the you know the submarine guy that he picked up i think that that was because he said to you know to his son you know he's he's shell-shocked he you know he may never be the same again you know he's yeah, not the same person he was and I, and I, I thought that i thought the empathy was admirable given the situation and given what happens i i understand what you're saying about it i just i can't buy it i mean if i if i was on that boat and I personally knew this young kid, and, and he was a young kid. I don't even, was he even 18? I think he was like 16 or something like that. Right. I, I had a hard time keeping track of who he was and what his relationship was to the two he, others. He, he wasn't his son. No, he was just friends no. with the- Right. The, yeah, he was a friend of the family. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I would have been sitting there as that, as that guy who was the father going, oh great, uh, now I have to go and I have to explain to his, his folks or, you know, whoever his family is. I thought his oh, parents oh. were dead. I thought he was an orphan, didn't I? Wasn't there something about him being an orphan? Because he said something about, I wish I could have made my parents proud at some point. And I don't know, I got the sense that he wasn't, that his parents know. weren't around. I think he could I say that if he was just, you know, in a family there where they felt disappointed with him. Yeah, yeah, I think he just wanted to make his mark, you know, and that's right. what was pointing at the end where, you know, he was in yeah. the paper. And right. He said, I want to be in the paper having done something good or something like that. So he right. wrote the story about him being a, a hero at 17. So, yeah, mm -hmm. but he died but, at 17. So he was 17. He said yeah, that. But still, for yeah. all intents and purposes, a child, you know, and I wouldn't have been okay with that. I would have very well been to the point at the, when that happened. I would have been like, you're getting off the boat now. You're going to swim home if you want to go home at all. I'm not taking it. Well, right, but it wasn't like he went and stabbed him in the heart. I mean, he pushed. It him wasn't. And... It wasn't intentional. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a. They locked him into a room when he was already emotionally distraught, and then the guy didn't want to. I mean, he was like I said, shell shock. He was panicked to go yeah. back into that scenario of you know what we'd been experienced throughout the film. So I think the fact that he was physical at that at that point was not unheard of. I don't think it was intentional, and you you could see the. I don't think it was intentional. The, the raw emotion and guilt that he felt yeah. throughout the rest of the film at that 
you know, what he did. Yeah. But it all goes back to the point where there was many characters that if you couldn't really feel anything about them were just downright unlikable, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't care about these characters. Oh, and these guys I hate and I hope they die and they never do. Okay, fine. <laughs> the only, the only guys that I liked were the, the two pilots really and Kenneth Branagh's character. Yeah, it was just, it was a hard movie to watch just because I, like you said, I couldn't really glom on to anybody. All right, and it was a little confusing where Killian Murphy came from, like in the, like his character. It's like, I don't know how, because it's like. Which one is Killian doing, Murphy? He's the guy that pushed the kid down the boat, in the boat. Oh, oh. He was the guy to pick up first, who floated in the water on top oh, of that okay. tank. Yeah. Uh, so I I'm not sure. He was in a U-boat. Yeah. He'd been in a submarine, and that was all that we had from him was that he had been in a submarine, and that's why he didn't want to go below. And I they kind of explained where everybody else came from in that storyline, in a way, like how they inter interconnected, but they didn't really get back to, like, they, they showed the origin of what happened to them, of how they ended up in that situation, but they didn't really show Killian Murphy's. They just kind of, they showed a little bit of him here, then they showed him on the boat, and then they showed, yeah. It was, his character was the biggest mystery to me throughout the entire movie. It's like, for such a high-profile actor, you know, you don't, why was he so afraid to go back? They didn't really show why he was so afraid to go back. Yeah. And that was a big part of his character, um, that he was just panicked to get back into the that shoreline or in that that part of the war, but they didn't show why he was so panicked to do it. Great. I don't know. I thought that was summed up pretty well by the fact that he was sitting on top of a sunken U-boat. But I mean, you know. But they showed why everybody else was, you know. I guess. I don't know. You know I, what, I mean, the lead, the main character, the kid that you're following around, who's trying to, you know, with the stretcher with the French guy, you know, who are trying to sneak on to the the boats i didn't see any of you know his history other than i guess you see him running from the bullets in the beginning but... right well that's the first guy you see in the movie is like you yeah. see him getting out of which i'm guessing is i don't know it was that dunkirk or was that bruges or no it was whatever the town was that they were i thought that what? town was dunkirk bruges i thought it was bruges because he well don't yeah dunkirk and ostrand ostend us yeah I'm just looking at the movie poster and they show yeah, the we're surrounding you thing. You're right. The one that they were dropping on them. That was so, the yeah. other thing too, that the opening of that movie was, I was like, okay, here we go. This is some serious crap they're in, you know, like, you know, they're all kind of doing their thing. All of a sudden crack bullet goes by and then somebody's dead and somebody's dead and they're all running and everybody's getting gunned down as they're going. And I was like, like, wow, this is intense. And then I felt like the rest of the movie never was paid off from that point. It was just like, well, it started off pretty intense and exciting and then it just kind of became a waiting game well and you know it I, I guess you come up with a question how do you sell you know stuck in waiting you know right that's initially that's what it was it's like how do we get these guys off the beach and they're trying to problem solve and you you get the the admiral or whatever that was on the the dock there that was trying to logistic you know do the boat logistics from that little dock that they had and you know then you had the the basic soldier on how he was trying to get out of there and you realize he was in the back of the line so they try and cart up the injured guy um you know 
it, I mean, it definitely caused more questions than answers as far as that. And I guess it almost made you want to leave that movie and like research Dunkirk a little bit more. So, you know, like, how did this happen in the first place? Why are they pushed up against this? You know, why, why was there only two pilots in the air? And why was there only two German, you know, or three, three German planes and one bomber? And um, because it, it didn't use his budget. <laughs> I don't know well, where but, he used it, but he did not use it. I, you know, I don't think that that was was the purpose of the film. And I'll go back to what I said at the beginning that I feel like it's an aesthetic film that's trying to make you experience it in a different way. And you know, and I understand that people don't like films like that. Um, and the one thing it made me think of um, an old movie with um, Al Pacino. Oh, it's the same director. No wonder. I didn't even catch that um, until I just I just looked it up on IMDb. So there was a movie called Insomnia, mm -hmm. Al Pacino yeah. and Robin Williams, mm -hmm. and I remember hating it when I watched it. And um, I don't remember what caused me to watch it again, but I remember watching it the second time, and I remember thinking of how I felt I could feel the experience of having insomnia watching that movie. Yeah, like right. like you're in thing. that experience of it. I don't think that Dunkirk was as successful with that aesthetic as Insomnia was, but I think that that was part of what he was going for, trying to put you in the chaos of the evacuation. And I think because it had this, so many different storylines, because we didn't have the same kind of emotional attachment to the characters as we might have had, um, and maybe the music was overdone. The, the ticking clock was a thing that killed me because the way it like sped up in certain scenes mm -hmm. and in terms of like trying to increase the emotion, you know, as the, you know, the thing. And, and it was playing, I don't know if it was playing throughout the whole film because I didn't pick up on it until probably about the middle of the film. I was like, oh, I see what's part of what's going on. Kind of like Mark was saying, you know, I see what's happening here with it, trying to build the emotion with the noise. Um, but it wasn't the music so much for me as it was the ticking clock. Um, and the relief you feel at the moment when all the boats show up um, and he looks out and all the yachts have come through. Right. Um, and I started to cry in that moment. And I realized that one of the reasons why I had that emotional reaction was from the tension that I had been feeling up until then. And because that was the one moment where the music swelled in any kind of recognizable movie music way. Everything before then had been so disjointed. It was the first time it sort of had that swell. And I'm like, oh, I was totally manipulated by the music. <laughs> but the music was too much. I, I don't agree with the mix of the music. I mean, not that the music was bad. And I agree with Mark's point that they were trying to build you up to something and, you know, possibly to when all the boats showed up. It's just like, oh my God, now right. I feel relief. Like these guys all feel relief. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they could have showed a little bit more and I understand it would have broken from how they told the rest of the movie. They could have showed more people being evacuated at that point in time. And they really did skip that part because they were focused on these three different um, like Story areas. Line. Yeah. Storylines. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, when they, when they showed ahead. all those boats, all those yachts coming in, you know, so you see them coming in in a single file line. They don't show you the breadth of the scene. They just show you this, like, we'll just go down the line and it'll be lots of boats. And it's like, no, that's like 50 boats. <laughs> You're not fooling me, dude. All you did was just line them up and went past them. I'm not impressed. 
the whole time. I just wanted, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see that evacuation like it was, and it just never happened. It's like he was trying to use every cheap trick he could in the book to like hide the fact that, well, we're doing this, you know, period piece, and it's a set in one of the most epic evac military evacuations in history. But we're not going to use any of the epicness of that. We're just going to tell our three little stories, and we'll try and cheat it where we can, either with the sound or you know, a couple of boats here or there. Right, like, and Christopher Nolan has never been one to spell it out for you, like no. in any of his movies. So it's one of those things that if you're going into a movie that is written and directed by Christopher Nolan, yep. you have to understand that it's not going to be force-fed to you. You know, yep. you're going to have to. I understand to... that. I get okay. that. I like his other movies. I, I just hated this one. Okay. Fair I enough. wanted to like it. I went into it going, woohoo, I'm really interested in seeing this movie, and then was not interested anymore. Yeah, Candace didn't like it either. <laughs> she almost fell asleep twice. Well, had the just let her. fall asleep, but she couldn't because of that damn soundtrack. <laughs> Maybe that's why I put it in there, to keep people awake. <laughs> it was the uh, the auditory experience of being poked in the side. Poke, poke, mm -hmm. poke right? Poke, and that's what the soundtrack was. <laughs> I would like to watch it again when it comes out. Yeah. Um, out of the theaters, I would like to watch it again, uh, you know, after the expectation game part of it and just analyze a little bit more and be really curious to see like special features on this movie, like how they shot oh, it. Um, yeah, and I just like what his movie. thinking was like, listen to the director commentary and just kind of see what he was thinking when he made the film. Because, you know, one of the great things that I love about, you know, the filmmaking process is, you know, there's a bunch of different directors with different point of views and they will make movies that are just, you know, not the same and that's awesome and that's what kind of helps keep movies in the film industry from getting stale is there are directors out there that don't aren't trying to appease the masses they want to make a movie that they feel in their heart is a good movie and like it don't like it it's cool that there's still directors that are doing yep. that i agree so yep all right so <laughs> i i i think does anybody have anything else they wanted to add i think we pretty much we blew through everything I wanted to talk about, the aesthetic, the music, the characters and the emotions. Um, and if there was any movie it kind of reminded you of, which I touched on with my insomnia um, connection, which I didn't realize was the same director and I'm kind of amused at myself from that. But <laughs> um, uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to say about it? I agree with the insomnia thing. I remember watching that and just feeling really tired at the yeah. end. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, there's that scene. There's that one scene where he's driving and it's the windshield wipers. Yep. And you're just kind of lulling into it. And I was like, and the like I said the first time, I'm like, why do I hate this movie so much? And then I realized it was because you were actually, you know, kind of in his in his experience, which I thought mm -hmm. was awesome. And and I did feel I th I think like I said at the beginning, I think this was supposed to be off putting. I think it was supposed to be unsettling. And I was okay with that. And I thought, I thought it can, I also had more emotional attachment, I think, to the characters than you guys did. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like anybody was good necessarily. And I wasn't, I wasn't rooting for a whole bunch of them to not die. I was rooting for Kenneth Branagh not to die in that scene where he's like standing on the thing and he's closing his eyes because he knows he's about to die. And then the, the plane gets blown up at the end. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> I was so happy that he didn't die. But like he said, he was like, he was one of the big names that was on the screen for, you know, not very much time, but right. had that much of an impact. So 
And one of the things I will point out that I thought was rather amusing is why in Christopher Nolan movies, he feels the need to cover the lower half of Tom Hardy's face all the time. I don't understand. <laughs> it's like, you think about it, oh, like, yeah. you know, when he was Bane and then, you know, in the pilot, it's like the lower half of his face is always covered. Well, was I the only one who like, okay, so two of the pilots had words written across the, I, I meant to look it up and I didn't have a chance to, um, across their masks. Did you notice this? Am I the only one? It wasn't all three of them. There were two of them, and I wondered if it was like something like um, the planes have the different uh, uh, good luck symbols on them sometimes. I wondered if they had something like that. No, is that just me? I didn't notice it. I, I didn't notice not, it. I know what you're talking about as far as, you know, typically they have some sort of mascot or avatar yeah. painted on the side of the, their side of the plane or the, or the name of the pilot or something like that mm -hmm. I, I get that but i i've never heard of anybody doing anything with their masks like that and i didn't yeah. i didn't notice it on the masks when i was okay okay sorry see if I can find that's a okay of, yeah i was just trying to see film, but... um yeah i don't know i would i would like to uh oh there's one yeah all there oh i see like right Unfortunately, yeah, like, photos they're showing is like the mask like pulled away from there. Oh mouth. yeah, there were. Oh, there, there was one. There's one. I still can't quite see it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so there was something I wasn't sure if that was part of what was happening with it, but yeah, I can't tell from this picture. But there was something written on two of the three masks. Um, yeah, might have been some some hidden meeting. Who knows? Could but be. anyway, it anyway. was it was good at the end of the movie. I I enjoyed the the experience and um, you know, wanted to know a little bit more about it. Uh, but there was you know definitely some confusion and some you know uh, disconnect with the characters and some of the disconnect with the editing um, of the film. Not that it was the film editor's fault or you know uh, Christopher Nolan's fault. It's just I didn't. I didn't pick it up in time. You know, it was right. a, it was the delay in my me as a viewer, and that's right. why I kind of wanted to see it again to see if I could pick up something that I missed because right. it is it's a thinker war movie. It's not a sitting right. You know, it, and that that's actually what Chris said as soon as we left it. He's like, "That wasn't a war movie." <laughs> no, it was an art film masquerading as a war movie. As well. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, "You didn't say that." <laughs> I can see why you say that, but he was just like, "It wasn't." you know, uh, bloody bodies. There was, there were, there weren't a lot of bullets. There weren't a lot of this. He's like, it was a very different experience. Um, and I, I thought that was an interesting observation too. Like, does it fit this? Cause um, our babysitter had actually asked, you know, she's like, well, I want to, she's like, I was curious about this. Tell me what you think. And, you know, uh, we might go see it. And so that was first thing Chris said is, well, don't go into it thinking it's a war movie because it's not. So I don't. I don't think it would fit that category at all. But I'm nope. sticking with my aesthetic. It's, it's, it is a it is an experience based around a war. Yes, exactly. I guess would be a good way to look at it. Yes, exactly. Based on, on you know historical events. So let's. We've been wrapping these up with thumbs. So how many thumbs? I'm guessing Mark, your zero thumbs. Zero thumbs. <laughs> Did not work on any level for me. Ryan. Um. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe a thumb and a half to two thumbs. I mean, it again. I, I, I should have almost seen thumbs. it. You you said that you you agree that this was disjointed or that wasn't done well. That's not two thumbs. That's like All maybe right. a thumb or a thumb and a half or 
half a thumb. Or... I'll do one of these. How about them yeah, apples? A big, a big middle finger. I don't know. <laughs> no, because I, no, I left really enjoying enjoying the the film for what it was. I just would like to see it again because I didn't pick it all up in the first first round. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely one of those I think that would be interesting to watch again, simply to see how much of it you can pick up on, and you know how um, how different it could. You could, how different of an experience it could be knowing what it was now when you go in to watch it as opposed to having that expectation versus reality of the movie. So, Correct. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm somewhere between one and a half and two thumbs. Like I, I really enjoyed the experience because it wasn't what I was expecting and it was different and I didn't have the desire for the historical accuracy that Mark had. I see the pictures. Mark just uh, messaged our our chat with three pictures of what the actual evacuation looked like, and it definitely didn't have that. Yeah. You can see why but I'm like going. Oh, I'm not, I didn't miss any of this because I didn't have any of this in my, hand, in my head, so. <laughs> but can you see now why I was so I can utterly see, yeah. disappointed? I mean, e even if it had only just been one or two quick shots of, of that, depth i would right. have been a lot better i would have felt a lot better about what i was seeing but i was never given that i felt like he was always trying to cheat it so mm -hmm. I don't know. it seemed like if you look at a couple of these shots it did, does seem like i do remember scenes in the movie that they're pretty close to i mean not the definitely the the last one with like the multiple battleships side by side that right you did, you did not see that you only saw the one at a time uh, scenario but like the first picture of like the guys like pressed up against the dock i think when they were like um, carrying the body to try and get on the ship first they definitely showed that scope that that specific shot there i think they did mm -hmm. show um I but you're right the, the multiple the multiple boats definitely were not not shown in the movie yeah um i i, I don't know mark you might know this because you're more, more the history buff among us but I leaned over to Chris when they bombed the hospital ship mm -hmm. and said, I thought they weren't supposed to do that. And no. Chris said this was before Geneva, right? No, the Geneva Convention came out either, I think it was right before World War One, because the Geneva Convention actually specifically stated that, or maybe it was after World War One. Either way. World War Two, don't you mean? World War Two? No, Geneva, the Geneva Convention either came out right before or right after World War One. So okay. they were not supposed to bomb that hospital. Okay, because I was like, what is going on? That's like clearly a medical ship and they shouldn't be they shouldn't be bombing a medical ship because that's why they have yeah. the big X's painted on the sides of them. And again, you weren't supposed to take war refugees and like cook them in ovens either. So well, I don't I think know. Hitler really cared about the, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, they, the Germans a lot of times do not care about stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so I was right about that because I was like, I don't think they're supposed to be doing this too. Yeah, and I did think the same thing during the movie. It just seems like, wow, that's really cold-hearted. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I, I saw it and went, yeah, it's the Germans during World War II for you. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. All right. Well, <laughs> mixed reviews here on the Geek Embassy Watches Dunkirk. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys if you've seen the movie. Uh, what do you think? Um, are you on the aesthetic team or on the it should have been more historically accurate team? <laughs> or in the I don't care, it was a dumb movie team. You could put that in there too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Leave us a comment on the website, thegeekembassy.com. Catch, catch up with us on Twitter at The Geek Embassy. And we'd love to hear what you think. And until next time, get your geek on. Later. Ciao.